0: The Tablet Show, Episode 64, with guest Paul Sheriff, Recorded live Thursday, November 29th, 2012. From thetabletshow.com, it's The Tablet Show. Conversations about developing software for tablets and other mobile devices with your hosts Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. In this episode, Carl and Richard talk to Paul Sheriff about multi client architecture. This episode of The Tablet Show is sponsored by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support. Online at Telerik.com. And now,
1: here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much. and Welcome back to The Tablet Show. Carl and Richard here with Paul Sheriff somewhere in California. Are we in Irvine? We're still in Irvine, yeah. We're still in Irvine. And that is not Los Angeles.
2: No, they found found very I found out.
0: they uppity about that. They found out the right.
1: hard way. They're very angry. We, well,
0: we are behind the orange curtain. Ah, here, right. So that's You're what all, we call it. We're on the other side.
1: That's right. We, uh, on this road trip have been staying in La Quinta Inns a lot mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, you know, we're not usually one to endorse products for free But uh, <laughs> of all the kinds of different brands of hotels we've stayed in This has been our favorite It's consistently decent Decent As opposed to uh, several others
2: we've had to stay in That have been downright nasty Yeah, Ooh. yeah La Quinta's have always been good
1: for us so Yeah, that's good Good price range, too Yeah Well, anyway uh, And, and bef- we are over
2: a flight pass So you may hear the occasional airliner flying over
1: Such as that one right there <laughs> We're not going to worry about that too much <laughs> No all right, well, let's get started with Better Know a Framework. All right, buddy, what do you got? Well, as you know, at dev.windows.com, mm-hmm. that's the center of the universe for Windows 8 apps development, and uh, the SDK documentation's there, the samples, and videos, mm-hmm. and how to's, and all that. And new stuff being added all the time. New too. stuff being added all the time. Well, uh, Instead of browsing you know, every page for a particular sample or this sample or that sample, they've assembled all the samples in one zip file. All the samples? Well, I don't know if it's all, but it's a heck of a lot. How many are we talking? Uh, let's see. Well, if you go to uh, tinyurl.com win8samples, you'll get to this. And it says, the sample pack includes all the app code examples developed for Windows 8. The sample pack provides a convenient way to download all the samples at once. Samples in this sample pack are available in C sharp, C, VBNet, and JavaScript. So, looks to me, because it was last updated 1024, that it's pretty current, right? It's the only last month, so you could download the full set, all the languages. Is about one hundred ninety three megs right now. Oh, C- man, that's wow. samples. C is one hundred and ten megs. C sharp is thirty point nine megs. JavaScript forty point forty two megs. VB net twenty six megs. So there you go. Isn't that interesting the size difference. The C plus plus one is so big. Yeah, the C plus plus one is big. You know,
2: it's a lot of code. It's a lot of code. Like, it, that's an interesting statement all by itself.
1: Well, <laughs> it also sad. lends itself to things that are a little more low level. I think. Yeah, you know, sure. Plus plus samples They're probably doing some tricky things in there.
0: There yeah. probably could be some additional samples, right? Would, well, that's what you I'm doing underneath, right?
1: I'm not all the samples are available in every language. So that's right. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah, that's might, a lot of sense. That might be because there's a lot of C++ samples. Yeah, and that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah.
2: I would agree.
0: You know, when I was teaching the Windows 8 Unleashed event, um, that's another. I was pointing people to that, too, because how I learned a lot of that was through those samples. Yeah. What yep. I liked about them is that they really broke them down into individual things. So, yeah. And that's helpful to learn. That
2: also seems to be the culture of building Win 8 apps, too.
1: More yeah. Simpler, more focused. Decomposition. App. Good Without point. Good point. Well, anyway, so know it, learn it, love it. Tinyurl.com slash Win8Samples. Awesome. Richard, who's talking to us?
2: Grabbed a comment off of show 57, and that is the one we did on the road trip with Brian Noyes, where we talked about line of business apps and Win 8, which I strongly suspect was going to creep into
1: today's conversation, too. And this comment is from
2: Thomas Betts, who we just saw Thomas Betts has
1: been a fan of our shows since probably the first ones. Way back when, and we saw him, where was it, at Phoenix? Yep, Phoenix. He came out to see us. He was wearing his .NET Rock shirt. mm Mm-hmm. And uh, he went to build, and he showed me a picture that he got with Scott Hans. He got to meet Scott Hanselman for right. the first time, and he was wearing his .NET Rocks shirt. was <laughs> awesome. Really well, cool. now he's going to have a tablet show mug, but let me read you this comment. Okay. Uh,
2: hey, guys, one of the topics that seemed to be a point of contention was how to convert or upgrade legacy line of business apps to the Windows Store model. Can we call it RT, or if not Metro?
1: I'd I mean, call them Win 8 apps because... They're they're differentiated from Windows apps that way,
2: right? And then we can say Win8 desktop apps if you want to go other ways. But okay, I'll yeah, go. So those with the are those Win just apps. Windows apps, yeah. Uh, in reality, most of the quote sovereign apps. So he's pulling out the old uh, Alan mm-hmm. Cooper terminology yeah. there. Uh, sovereign apps should not be converted. A sovereign apps should not be converted. The ability to run both RT and traditional desktop apps can be confusing, but I think that's because it's the most dramatic difference from any existing OS. Mm. He's meaning RT in the sense of Metro or Win 8 apps. Win 8 apps. Most office workers I know couldn't give up their Windows PC for an iPad. However, Windows 8 gives the hybrid ability to be both a desktop and tablet in one. This means developers need to acknowledge that there are two distinct types of native applications, each with benefits and drawbacks. As an example, we use Microsoft Project for managing very large schedules with dozens of subteams. Project is great at being able to show tasks, resources, the Gantt chart, etc., with lots of customization options for a project planner. Mm-hmm. We also have a custom-built web app to allow the sub-team leads to provide status updates for their few tasks. Those users can't and shouldn't see everything in the schedule and don't need all the complexity provided by Project. Mm. Instead, they need to be able to quickly accomplish the, quote, task of updating their status. Yep, We already have a symbiotic relationship between our web app and MS Project, but the Windows RT interface could provide a more natural experience than the existing web app. Mm. Clearly, rewriting Project as an RT app doesn't make any sense. Does not make sense. No, I don't think you'd want to do that either, but it's it's a cool idea. Uh, I think companies may initially be afraid to go down the RT app path because it can seem very daunting to recreate a large application. But if you look for those individual tasks, which users could accomplish more easily without all of the overhead of the full application, there are plenty of opportunities to develop companion apps. Yep. This lines up with what Brian was discussing regarding lots of small applications rather than one monolith. I'm looking forward to seeing what the Patterns and Practices group come up
1: with. Thanks, Thomas Betts. I, You know, as soon as Brian said that, I, I quickly got it. Yeah. And, uh, it, the, you know, we, it's about decomposition. And when it's, it's taking volumes large apps to this and,
2: hybrid model. Yeah. Keep the monolith sovereign app in place. So yeah. You can always go back there and then car- keep carving off individual tasks as these little smaller apps
1: that can run in Win 8. Right. right. I wonder if the, uh, the, the dinosaur skill, uh, you know, of the future is going to be the ability to navigate these complex apps that we've been Using for the last 10, 20 years in uh, Windows that have lots of file menus and, t- you know, people will think those are the most difficult things. Yeah. Why ever. did we
2: ever do this? Why did we ever do that? Yeah. No different than folks, you know, that are used to Windows having to go to the command line. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Thomas, we love that you listen to the show. I really appreciate your comments. This was an awesome one. So a coveted tablet show mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a tablet show mug, just write a comment
1: on the website at thetabletshow.com. And with that, let us introduce our good friend Paul Sheriff. Welcome back, Paul. Hey, thanks, guys. Good to be here. Um, let's just start with a little bit of an introduction. You're a veteran of this business, and uh, back before .net, you've been building software for a long time. Can I say Grumpfish? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, the old Clipper days and all of that. And uh, probably the cornerstone of your success has been your PDSA framework.
0: Yeah, definitely. We've had very good uh, luck with that. I mean, it's you know what? It's kept our business alive. Whether yeah. we sell that many, I don't really care. It's what helps us deliver quality software to our clients.
1: And just tell us really quickly what that is.
0: Basically, it sits on top of .NET. It's a business application framework to mm-hmm. s- provide security. Think of like the enterprise library plus CSLA plus other things on top that you might put on top of the .NET framework to get things done quicker.
1: So all your reusable stuff that you you find yourself doing over and over again, you throw in that library. Absolutely. And what I've always appreciated is that library has always morphed to
2: deal with the new problems. Correct. I mean, I remember... Back in the old VB days, it was the <laughs> data transport layer over top of DAO and RDO and RDO, yeah. You know, the
0: early which, the early precursor to provider library. Yeah, huh? <laughs> right. you, know, you were doing
2: that then, <laughs> exactly. And uh, it, but clearly, you're not worried about that now. That's that's a totally
1: different set of problems now, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, so what what, what are the problems that you're dealing with now?
0: You know, the biggest problems really are that our clients face and are asking us to solve is really the cross platform. You know, yeah and that's kind of the whole thing with the Windows eight surface, iPad, mm. iPad mini, et cetera, et cetera. It's a
2: heterogeneous client world now.
0: absolutely yeah. how do we how do we deal with that? how do they how can they leverage things that that we've written for them before or they've yeah. written before? And how do we move that forward into mm-hmm. those new technologies? So, so it, you're
2: not just talking about using the framework into Greenfield apps. You're, you're bringing the framework into existing apps? Absolutely. To help yeah. them get across to multiple clients.
0: Part of that, you know, some of sometimes it means we are going in and redoing some of the stuff sure, that they sure. did before. Because, as you know, not everybody architects things the same way. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you've heard me speak for I don't know how many years now, Richard. but Dude. You know, you remember back when VB4 first got classes. Yeah, yeah. I want we. You want to go back? Let's talk about you speaking on Clipper,
2: okay, man. I know. I thought, I I know. Fish. <laughs> <laughs> You're old. I know.
0: But even back then, my philosophy was the same. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's break things into small little packets. Yep. So that we can reuse. Right. Yep. yep. You know, even what uh, your you know your comment guy there, uh, Tom. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thomas. Well, yeah. What he was saying. I mean, it's it's very applicable. We need to break things up, right? Right, and that's the thing. I mean, people look at my framework and it's very daunting because I've got you know like I don't know 25, 30 DLLs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's what you should have, right? Because right? right. yeah. everything now fits a particular purpose. If so you don't need a particular module; you don't have to install it exactly. Okay. So
1: cross platform is a is a kind of a big word that can mean a lot of different things. Where right. where's the interface? you know how how cross platform can we get? what do we have to do on all these platforms to use your tool?
0: well, whether it's my tool or any tool right i mean it, it's all to me it's all about architecture. It's how you lay the program out mm-hmm. and the only way you're truly going to accomplish i think the cross platform today is to take advantage of web services mm-hmm. right okay. I mean we've been preaching that for how many years now, yeah. um but it's
2: so mature now it's, it's very mature i I feel like it's the heterogeneous client environment that's suddenly making us reap the benefit of the efforts of creating services on the It's backend. forcing us. Yeah. Well if we're going to take advantage of right?
0: it. Right. To to really do cross-platform, it's forcing us to use the service layer. Mm-hmm. Because that's the common thing that all of the platforms can talk to. Sure. Right. And if we keep our business rules and our data layer and everything like that behind those services. Those can be reused across anywhere because mm-hmm. sure. now we're just sending down, you know, send down JSON, send down, you know, whatever you want. O data. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Even just collections of classes that are serialized. It yep. doesn't matter.
1: But you're still building view
0: models in native, uh, in native platforms. You still may. Essentially. If, depending on the platform, obviously. Yeah. You know, but yes, Absolutely. So, however, you know, some of the things that you can do, um, in fact, I'm speaking at this at the Dev Intersection Conference coming up in December here. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming we can mention that here. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I'm doing an, uh, one seminar on architecting applications for multiple UIs. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's this exact talk. It's basically how you create a single view model that you can use across ASP.NET, uh, WPF, you know, Silverlight, mm-hmm. Windows Phone. Mm. Right. And even Windows, and Windows 8. 8. Yeah. Okay, because you can if you design everything correctly, you use a little bit of conditional compile, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a little bit of add as link to your classes. Right. Okay, great
1: feature you showed me.
0: I remember on that blew on my that, mind on that rock man. show. He's like, "Oh my gosh, yeah. where so, have you been all my life?" That's <laughs> right, pretty much. <laughs> but it's it's by careful use of those particular things, which I mean, those have been around forever, right? Mm-hmm. We can now truly get more cross platform than we were able to before. Nice, yeah. You know, the UI layer is always going to be different. Right. But that we can do with just tiny little bits of code, you know, behind. We still have to do a little bit of code behind here and there. But, are you are you doing any iOS and Android development? You know, we're not doing any of that. Um, okay. What we've been targeting, really, is we're using the mobile, you know, the jQuery mobile stuff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to get that accomplished. We've done a couple of those for a couple of clients. Cool. Um, worked out really well, yeah. One's like a collector's... Uh, they have collectors' trade shows like coin collecting, stamp collecting. So they had a whole uh, mobile app. They could find out what booth it was, what was there, and they could go and they could bid on it even while they're on the floor. Nice, like, yeah, some really cool stuff. So we've been doing a lot like that. But it's just a straight up HTML5 app. Straight up right. HTML. Right. Um, I think we did throw a little HTML5 in, depending on right. what we we're targeting. Yeah, wouldn't we gonna just drop mm-hmm. the five and just call it HTML? Yeah. But yeah. you see, what we're finding is that our clients do not have the resources to have us develop. Something for iOS, sure. Android, Windows 8, sure. right? They don't have those resources. So they need to go with this least common denominator. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, and for us, it means services and then HTML front end. Yep. Because you know. it's
2: still the same services on the back end. Correct. makes no difference.
0: Exactly. All right. You know, and a lot of times we've already built those for a previous app that we wrote for them internally. Mm-hmm. Mm. And now all we're doing is reusing them from the outside, right? All right. You know, and there again, we're going back to the architecture. The big
2: thing for me, and, and I think this goes back to Thomas's question, was this the decomposition of different tasks that you aren't recreating the whole client on each one of these platforms, but only certain
1: specific pieces. Correct. We've had this tendency to put everything in one big box, yes, on the screen because you know that's the only UI we get, right? But in Windows 8, you when you decompose, you find you can take up the entire screen with a single task, right, and then move on
0: from there, right. And, you know, again, it kind of goes back to, you know, what I've always told people. I've been telling people this for years. It's like, why do you think that an application has to be all in one technology? Right. You know, yeah. have your line of business people apps or guys using the desktop portion because mm-hmm. that's quick, boom, 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 they can slam stuff in. Have your executives using a dashboard on a web. Yep. Right? Right. It doesn't need to be all one big sure. monolithic
2: thing. And I've been pondering this for a while, this whole battle here, and it sort of came back to it used to be really, really painful to distribute apps. Yep. And so we didn't want to do more than one deployment. <laughs> one deployment was like as much as we could stand.
0: Right. But, I mean, that's been solved for years, though. Yes. With click once, with, you know, web apps, especially, mm-hmm. especially there's no deployment. Well, and, in, so, and all the mobile devices, like, it's trivial. Correct.
2: It's
1: just, you, you can get it. I've right. come to this, uh, epiphany. I don't know how I got there, but, uh, that the app, the modern app is, uh, sort of transcends the device. And, Uh, you know, you could think of it as, so you have your phone, you have your tablet, you have your desktop, you have your Xbox or whatever. Let's say you start working with maybe, you know, a customer or whatever on, on your phone. And then you put that down and you go to your tablet and you pick it up. It should know what you've done and it should know what you're doing. Right. And, you know, hey, I saw the last thing that you did was, you know, you were editing this guide. Do You want to go back here or maybe just bring you back there where you were when you shut down there, or stopped using that app. Yep. And so the app becomes bigger than the device. Right. The device is sir- simply a way to get the view of that app at that time on that device. Right. And, but, uh, and, and, you know, think about it. We've been able to do that kind of, uh, state persistence ever since we had internet access. That's correct. And ever since we had the ability to save state, but we never really needed it because we were in a desktop, you know, web browser and there really wasn't any need to do that.
0: Yep. Except you know, think for, of like you know, the huh? Amazon Kindle, you know, and if yeah. you're reading exactly a book. Yeah. You know, on the phone and then you go to your computer and it How picks easy? right back up and you know what you knows what page you were on. Yeah.
1: Such an easy thing to implement. Right. And you know, you get that Oh my God! Why didn't I think of that? Right. But it, the change has been that we have multiple devices now, right? The, right. And the bulk of our
2: customers have multiple devices right. now,
0: and yeah. we do have some good cloud storage now too, though. Yeah, really. yeah. the ba- we
2: have right. externally available backends that's so right, reliable. But even it seems-
0: like for your Windows 8 apps, right? Mm-hmm. You get you know you can store the settings and stuff up in a SkyDrive, and everybody has that, right? Mm-hmm. And it's for free. Yeah. All you, I mean, you get you know it's a limited storage, but for small little settings. You don't have to do anything different other than store it in Windows 8 using their Windows 8 API.
1: Right. I mean, that's wonderful. This pushes the SkyDrive. That's right. It it. goes
0: right to the SkyDrive.
1: It also seems weird to me that even though we've, in in websites, we've had the ability to save state between logons or whatever, we don't do it. You don't see (laughs) apps that, like, if I'm going in to manage my DNS entries or something... You, you know, you get in there and then you close the app. You you should come back later. Right to where and you be were. Right where you were. <laughs> I know. You know, you know who's just always done such this
2: a well has been Amazon. Do. Amazon never forgets yeah. that you looked at a product. Oh, I know. Or that you threw something in your shopping cart but never bought it. They always remember that. They yeah. There's this sense of oh, we're back where you were when you were here a month ago. Right. You know, it's all right here. And well, while, by
1: the way, and these prices have changed. Yeah. Right. And while they don't take you back into that product no. that you were looking at, they do. You do are able to get back there quickly. Yeah.
2: yeah. I've always it, it, I noticed it just the other day I popped on Amazon for some reason, noticed there were three things in my shopping cart. I'm like, Yeah, that's yeah. weird. Open it up. Oh yeah, I remember putting them in there. And it was yeah. that double whammy of not only remembered, but it got me the new prices and it's right. like, do you want to buy it now? Yeah. yeah. They I think they've had it, this idea longer than most everyone else. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Because yeah. think of each of those, you know, they show you your history, your order history. Everything on the side and below, yeah. what you looked at before, your purchase history, what you browsed before—you Yep. You think of that. Each one of those is a little app, isn't it? Sure. Mm. See, our definition mm. of an app—yeah—getting yeah. very blurry is isn't it. changing. Well, it's it's changing. I don't think it's yeah. getting blurry. In fact, I think it's getting more focused. I do too. Right, and yeah. we were talking about this kind of offline that you need to start thinking of an app as one task, like what Thomas mentioned. Mm-hmm. Right. You shouldn't, you know, think of like every menu item that you used to do on your big monolithic app. Yeah, Yeah. Each one of those is a little task.
2: Yep. When I really thought that way when I was looking at the start menu in Windows 8 and thinking, now you want those live tiles telling you you want to go here. Right. You know, I want to decompose my ERP app into these individual tiles so that... The operator can just look at it and know where to go next. Yep. But it's basically giving you cues of you need to go pay attention to this now.
1: And we have options for sharing state. Correct. You know, we can put everything in the cloud if we want, or we could just share, use the sharing mechanism right. to mm-hmm. uh to get data from one app yep. to the other.
0: And that's the thing. I mean, if you think about decomposing your app, you're storing all your data where? In your SQL Server, That's right. right? There's your store. There's your sharing, yeah. or so in
2: the
1: cloud in general,
2: or in however in you're general. doing it, yeah. right? And you're calling to a block of services that any number of apps can call to. It's That's just not right. Not a big deal. That's it's right.
1: very liberating once you realize that oh, I don't have to recreate this app. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just need to figure out what the critical pieces are, chop them up, and I can do them one at a time. Right.
0: Now talking about the tiles there, mm-hmm. um, because uh, in this issue of Code Magazine. Um, I showed people how to build a uh, Windows 8 start screen right. using uh, WPF.
1: <laughs> uh, and it actually yeah.
0: comes. It looks like it has the tiles, <laughs> right? Has the, That's the, so cool. You know, and I made well, it. are so such it a looks, troublemaker. But <laughs> it looks exactly like the Windows 8 start. And I showed. Right. And, I, and basically, it's a three part article. Mm-hmm. So it's going to take you know a bunch of couple more months. Couple more months to get everything. But they can download the whole app, you know, on my my website. And uh, it's great because you can actually make your app right now decompose that way and make it look like Windows 8. Sure. And so people who can't move to Windows 8 because they're in a big enterprise and they're not going to go there yet, they could still start using the same metaphor to prepare Mm. their users.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Start thinking that way. Yeah. And I appreciate it is this combination of things. It is deployment is less painful. Shared storage is much simpler. Right. Services model actually works. Like right. it takes all of those things. And the things you
1: just said there, deployment is much less painful. Very true because when you're just updating one little feature, you're updating one app, which is right. a very small slice of the big thing. Whereas before, you know, not only were we waiting six months to do a major upgrade, in which everything has a chance to fail at right. that one point in time. Integration, but app. all of those right. features have to line up. It's just, it's crazy that we were doing that.
0: Then you think down to the unit testing and everything else, Mm -hmm. right? Everything becomes simpler. Simpler. You have less coupling Mm -hmm. between classes, which is always a good thing. Yep. Right? You're going to have more central, like, message brokers, if you will, right, that everybody can communicate with. And it, it reduces that. Yeah. So you have much less coupling. That means testing's easier, everything. Deployment's easier. And we can
1: deploy, you know, once a
2: week. That's right. Instead of once every six months. Yeah, all these little apps get to deploy when they're ready to be deployed.
1: They don't have to wait for everything else. This portion of the Tablet Show is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik. Hey, can you ever have too many free tools to complement your development skills? I didn't think so. So our friends at Telerik are giving you now more than 30 free products for application development, automated testing, agile project management, and content management. And we're talking free-free not a trial, not a demo, but free, complete products supported by a community of over 440,000 developers at Telerik Forums. From free ASP.NET Ajax, ASP.NET MVC, and Silverlight controls, to the free ORM solution and automated testing framework, to free agile management tools and content management systems, all of these and more are available to you for immediate download at Telerik.com freestuff. Most of the free products can be used for commercial purposes and give you access to supplemental support resources such as documentation and forms. Go to tellericcom slash now, and take full advantage of the available free-of-charge products. And don't forget to thank them for supporting The Tablet Show. So what are the... Uh, you've been talking a lot about Windows 8 apps. What are the kind of things that you've been showing in, uh, in your demos, particularly for Windows 8? You
0: know, a lot of people um really are focused on, you know, how do I do the different UI features that they have in there. Like in Visual Studio 2012, mm-hmm. you know, they have like three different templates that you can choose from. So yeah. they want to understand which one do I use when. Yeah. Uh that's been a big topic that a lot of people are interested in. The other one is just creating the live tiles. Yeah. Um, if you've looked at how, you know, yeah. they have like two hundred and forty different, you know, themes that you can use for your tile as far right. as image here, text here, image text, text. Yep. Yeah. You know, text, image, text. I mean it's just crazy. Yeah. Um so you know, how do you build all of that? How do you make it uh you know very interactive? Push, um, notification push is notifications. Push notifications are big. Um people really liked the new background task that you can do now yeah so you can hook that in there's a feature for that that you can turn on mm-hmm. uh again right through visual studio 2012 so for example in
1: the app that i'm showing in the road trip uh where i pull down some dot net rock shows uh and i play you, you listen to it i could play that in the background if i wanted to right yeah right because as soon as you go away from that app it stops
0: yeah so there's been a lot of, you know, kind of neat stuff like that that, you know, is different than what we had like in uh, Windows Phone 7, right? Yeah, sure. You know, and so that's nice to see that we're getting some of that functionality back again. Yeah. So Yeah, we um, I,
2: we really do need them.
0: We do. I mean, it, it was imperative, I think. So. I,
2: I do think I'm appreciating that we're rethinking foreground and background behavior, mm-hmm. you know, how you utilize memory, how you utilize resources. Again. Right. Because we stopped thinking about it for a long time. We decided this presumption there was always going to be more.
0: right. And you know the whole parallel thing has been a big deal of course. Um, yeah. you know, I don't want to get too much into that but you know the whole thing about threading you know is, was always such a dark art before. Sure. Yeah. But with .NET they've made it so much easier now. Yeah. With the whole the libraries they have for it, the asynchronous calls now in yeah. 4.5 of course. Async you know, our, await. Yeah. Uh, the await is just fabulous. Um, the background worker class which has been around for a long time yeah, yeah. but that one, gosh, I use that all the time. Yeah. How many do you
2: typically have? Is it just a couple? A couple. Yeah. I, mean, I find people yeah. are way trying to overuse that. Yeah, I I, I, I'm with you. Right? You know, yeah. I love parallelism. I've worked on some tough problems that actually well solve them. But I got to tell you, in the line of business app world, after yeah. three, oh, I think you're done.
0: Exactly. If that. It's a,
2: just a foreground and a pair of backgrounds because you could get up to a couple of things. But, but, but that's, that's even that's about if it. you
0: want to
1: manage the tasks yourself. I mean, typically you don't. You just want things that are going to go get data to not... Well, well this, is what, up your app. this is what yeah. I
2: appreciate about async await. You don't yeah. even know. You don't even care. Don't care. You right. just, you're just firing off. Let me know when that's done. Let me know what this is done. Right. Let I know when that's do done. Do this, then that, then this. Yeah. That's but, it.
0: But again, that only lends itself to certain types of applications sure. too. I mean, yeah. you're not going to start, you know, a separate thread in a web app because that thread could get killed. Yeah. Right. You know, so it's, it's great for WPF, great for yeah. Silverlight, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you do have to be careful of where you use it as well. Yeah. And now
2: it, I I can see async await in a web app just because you may have you know four sources of data you need to pull together. Yeah. So rather than do them sequentially, you're firing off. Here's all four requests. Yeah, I need them yeah. all back before I can do much. But you know
0: I I, I just do anything there. But I recently just did that with a client. Oh yeah. And we didn't find any speed benefit. Didn't do anything for it. It really didn't do much. I mean, maybe a little huh. bit, mm-hmm. but not a huge. But it, enough I, to warrant the the extra code, the extra. And I, and I guess if you're pulling back that much data, what do you do with? Yeah, <laughs> see, <laughs> I and <mean>, that's exactly. <laughs>
2: you got another problem. I but know. I, I, I also appreciate that async await makes that code trivial. It does right. It makes it, it simple enough that you can just do it instinctually and not be particularly concerned you know, about consequences. the consequences. The yeah. biggest
1: problem with it is it's so easy that trying to take all the code that we have written mm-hmm. with all these callbacks mm-hmm. and turn it into a single procedure <laughs> is sometimes really tough.
0: But again, you know, and it, well that's kind of goes back to the whole legacy thing that Thomas yeah. brought up as a mm-hmm. comment again. You know, how do we move forward? How do we get right. some of this? So what you got to look at in those cases I look at is it, like, Why? It works. Yeah. Why would I go back why would and I mess with that? then? But I, 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 I do appreciate so. this
2: idea of peeling off individual tasks. The person yes. who's complaining that I have to go into this monolithic app to do this one little thing. Correct. It's like, all right, well, let me lift that one little thing out for you. Correct. There
1: you go. And we I guess I could way. make an argument for why. Uh, and that is, you know, the, the, if you have too many callbacks and things, you're you're losing state, you're losing the thread. To add new features into that and to update sure. and change and make changes becomes that would be, more difficult. And, but that
0: would be applicable. That's correct. Yeah.
1: So if you you have code that changes a lot, Mm -hmm. you might want to consider undoing all those callbacks. Right.
0: You know, and then talking about breaking up, you know, your legacy app, like you were just saying, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I have a lot of clients that are still on VB6, Fox Pro, you know, we see this all the time. Mm. So they keep asking me, well, how do we move forward? I said, well, how about we do this? Let's create a whole new shell instead of their monolithic app that comes up, let's create a brand new one of those with the same maybe menu items or even a little slightly different navigation. Mm-hmm. And we'll break your main application up into little DLLs, and then we just call those. Now we can replace each one with the newer, like WPF, but still sure. call out to VB6 for right. the other ones. And not, be, not break anything. Right. So we go more towards the app, like as in Windows yeah. 8, mm-hmm. right. but we can still we can migrate slowly now. Yeah. And when you're working
2: against an old VB6 model like that, do you try and insert some services back there? Correct. Yeah. If we can.
0: You know, a lot of times we just leave it um, and we literally just shell. Right. From yeah. WPF or something. We shell out to the VB6 one. Right. Mm. Just right. call to it. Is People right? are getting more and more used to having a lot of things come up, right? Yeah, right. It doesn't all have to be monolithic and, you know, MDI.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So. We say, hey, we got a brand-new dashboard. Look, This is cool because you can work in this area, and it comes up, and then you can go down to your taskbar and go to this one that you were in before. They don't know it's VB6 and it's no. WPF, and they don't care. So, you know, if you think think about
1: the MDI interface, and how are we going to do that, right? Right. A, well, okay, you have either, let's say you have four wind, child windows. You have four apps. Or mm-hmm. you could do what they did in the weather app in in Windows 8, which is, you have four different screens that right. you can just scroll right. to see each screen. Exactly. And each one of them is a different user control, essentially. That's exactly what and you do. And you just you put them in a
0: grid view, yep. one, two, three, four. Put a scroller on it. Scroll, you, know, you can scroll you with go. your finger or with the mouse wheel, and you're done. Yep. I even do a disappearing scroller a lot where hmm. you know, it's not there. But yeah. if you hover over it like for a half a second, then yeah. the scroll viewer comes up. So you do have the option. You know it's there. Yeah, yeah. So I do a lot of stuff like that. You know, and kind of gives me more of that interactive type thing that people look for on a touch. Mm-hmm. So
2: I just wrestle with whether we're going to stay in this hybrid mode forever, like, or can we actually get to a point where we we carve enough off of that monolithic app that there is no monolith left. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't know if we we get there or not. It's an interesting problem because I do think the work, the expression of the work itself, is starting to change because of this.
1: It is There's so much of that code in an app that is that tries to do everything, is just about you know changing the state of the UI to enable and disable things that aren't applicable in because of what you're doing. And if you <laughs> think about that. It's really dumb mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to have all of those things available when you don't need them. Yeah, um, good point. They're still on the screen. You just can't do anything with them. It doesn't make any sense.
2: Yeah. In the web world, we have this whole the hotspot analysis.
1: Like yeah. I, I look mm-hmm. at where people are clicking
2: on a web page and so forth, find out here's whole chunks of this page nobody ever uses. Right. It's like I want to do that same thing with that monolithic app and figure out what are the pieces right. that people simply aren't using and right. start carving them away as or well. Or
1: specifically, you know, if you want to get into it, when you, when you have a screen – and what are we doing in this screen? Okay. Well, now let's make an app bar with only the things that this person can Absolutely do. Needs. Yes. On the app bar and nothing else. Right. And if there's more than can fit on the app bar, you just have a more button yeah. <laughs> and a back button on the app bar. So you or can if you got things.
0: too much, maybe you need to rethink. Maybe you need to rethink. <laughs> yeah. That's
1: right. Maybe I'm allowing too
0: much. Right. You know, I, well, like the people that put, you know, 20 tabs. Right? 20 tabs on a thing. Okay. Yeah. Really? I really? mean, <laughs> Yeah. Is somebody going to really go into all 20 tabs at that one during that task? Yeah.
2: I mean, there's this theory that every feature in a monolithic app will get used, just not by one person. Mm. Right. So, Or one role. So, you know, yeah. maybe we can start splitting these things apart by the role. By role. role. So they, yeah. they decompose. They'll naturally pull out. Because what
1: you're really doing is just confusing the hell out of people. I mean, that's yep. why we need training on software. Mm-hmm. Right. So we, just to filter out, how do I drive this car? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. The whole, the goal of these modern apps is yeah. to not require training. Yeah, you know, anybody should be able to figure
0: out what to do. And that's the thing. I mean, as we as we decompose these, as we make the smaller the apps. You know, I think it will be easier to train number one, or hopefully self training even. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, but if somebody wants to put them back together later, that's easy. Yeah. Right. It's not easy to go the other way. Yeah, it's not easy to decompose, <laughs> but. But um, it's a lot easier to aggregate all of these little sure. apps together yeah. into one central thing if you needed that.
2: Yeah. So In the end, it's still... Because the back end doesn't have to change. It's just the same set of services. That's it's right. Just, it's just a question of how you're presenting the information in the first place. That's correct. Uh, not a lot much more to that. Yeah. Um, are you starting to have customers at least discuss how they're going to use tablets in the workplace? Are they are they are they there?
0: Yeah, we we do. In fact, I just had a call from a client yesterday, mm-hmm. and he said, yep, I got... Some of our guys, you know, some of our clients, right, their customers Mm -hmm. are now calling saying, hey, I need this to run on an iPad. Mm. Right. They're they're the VB6 people, unfortunately. (laughs) 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 You know, so, and, you know, unfortunately, this guy's savvy, but he had told his management a year ago, you know, Mm. hey, we need to start thinking about this. Right. They didn't want to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, now they're like, now they're going to have to really start playing catch up. So I'm going to help them, you know, okay, let's go in, let's re-architect, you know, let me come in and talk to your bosses so they understand that, you have to start decomposing this. You have to start mm-hmm. getting this ready. Sure. So that you can still use the same database, but you got to start adding the services. Right. So that you can run on these different platforms and let them understand that look, we can do an iPad app for you. But when your next customer comes to you and says, I got an Android.
2: Right. You're going to do it again. Exactly. Right.
0: You know, it's, it's all, and that's the thing. I mean, we're, we're technologists, we love geeking out and sure. writing software. But software is for a business purpose. Right. Mm -hmm. It's to make money or it's to reduce costs. Right. And we've got to realize that. So we have to work with the big bosses and we have to make them understand that there's dollar and Mm -hmm. cents ramifications to everything that you do, every decision you make. Right. And unfortunately, in the BYOD world that we have now, Mm -hmm. bring your own device (laughs) to work We've got to take into account.
2: Yeah. But I kind of think for an internal app like that, it's gotta be a web all the way. Just straight HTML. It's not worth going for each platform.
0: Here's here's a problem though. There are still a lot of offline scenarios. Okay. You have guys going in, FEMA guys going into, you know, uh, you Disasterly. know, disaster areas mm-hmm. where there isn't internet. Mm-hmm. They have to be able to do things offline and then sync up. Mm-hmm. So now, HTML5 with web storage? Yeah. Maybe, but I'll, not that, all platforms support feel, that
2: yet. It doesn't feel baked. It doesn't. Yeah.
0: Because not everybody's implemented it all the way, right? right? So, mm-hmm. you know, you still have scenarios where you do need to still consider offline. Mm-hmm. And that's, my client has that exact scenario. Right. So, they either have to do an iPad app or they have to do something like that.
2: Yeah, or come, up, come up with some way to be, this will still function disconnected. Correct.
1: Now, when a customer says, you know, we want to make an iPad app and you suggest, would you consider, you know, a, a WinRT surface? Right. What's the uh, typical response you get?
0: Most of them don't even know what it is yet, unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately right? So, so, have you shown it to customers? I have. Um, you know, every time I show it to somebody, they love it. When I yeah. show them my Windows 8 phone, they love it. And yeah. I've had the Windows phone since it first came out. When, yeah. With Windows 920. No, I got the HTC, the HTC 8X. Yeah. I like it. The AX. 8X. 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 Yeah. Yeah. 8X. I like it. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Very big screen. Very light phone. Yeah. Cool. So, but when I show people, they love it. They mm-hmm. think it's cool. But again, their their thing is, well. But all of my customers are running iPads. Right. 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 So.
2: Yeah. Well, they got to build what they what their customers are going to use, one way or the right. other. Mm, I just, know. yeah. The the my other uh, thought around all of this is starting to say, how does the tablet right, allows us to bring the computer to the work now? Mm-hmm. What does that look like? How different is that?
0: Yeah, that's that's going to be tough, you know, because I mean, Apple doesn't want to deal with security. No. But enterprises have to have the security. Yeah. That's one big advantage, and that's one thing that we can really push with the Surface, mm-hmm. right? You know, and that's if good. You
1: f- if you think about it, maybe the ultimate customer or the the best customer for a WinRT uh, deployment is an enterprise where they're using it internally Absolutely. and they're all Windows already, correct? Yeah, and so they're all already used to it, right? And they have the requirements of uh, you know Active Directory and authentication right. and all, all. And
0: then you have the full offline scenario too, mm. right? I mean, you think about it, gas meter readers, uh, you know, cable installers, mm-hmm. anybody who's out there in the field is not always going to be in a place where they have Internet access. Yep, that's right. Yep. And that's where the Surface really would be great. Yes. And, you know, plus, everybody we're talking to already has these skills, yeah, right, know the dot .NET it. skills, to build this.
1: Richard's talked about this when we when we talk about the humanitarian toolbox, which is an initiative we're supporting. HumanitarianToolbox.net, it's a disaster relief initiative. Microsoft's mm. getting behind it and some of these uh, non-governmental organizations that already write software and put up websites in disasters so that oh. people can find each other and we know what people need. But uh, Richard has this great uh, uh, idea of being able to take a tablet into an area where, you know, a shelter or something like that, take everybody's picture, get their name and information, you know, what they need, all of that right. stuff when you're not connected. And then when you, you know, drive back where you have connectivity, then you can, you know, plug it in and everything can go up. Right. It's but just so, a great idea. That is a great idea. You know, the, our
2: experience on the road trip has shown. I mean, we, where were, we, we were just outside of San Diego. We, we hit a bad spot for connectivity, yeah. right? Yeah, that's right. It's like, does it even make sense to build
1: any app that can't function disconnected? Because connectivity isn't perfect. Right? Well, if your app use requires data, you know, from the internet that's live. Yeah, you can't do anything there. Right. But, but just being able to tolerate a mail, temporary disconnect. That's, well, that's again, so like it depends on what it is. If it's a mail client, you certainly can't do. You could create a mail yeah. uh, and send it for later. But, but uh, I do
2: think it, mail client is a good example of you don't even really know how good your connectivity is. Mm-hmm. You can you generally read your mail. Mm-hmm. You can generally reply to your mail. But when it actually comes and goes, it's sort of an independent thing. Right. You know, unless you're running Outlook and it's frozen because it can't connect. Right. <laughs> so I, you should. Did I say that out loud. If you're
1: writing a mail app, you should not uh, uh, require a connection just to be able to read the stuff that's already there. But sort of. I want, but I'm
2: backing into this
1: idea of isn't this true of every app? Like, yeah, virtually
2: every app we ever build is going to need a connection at some point. But isn't it in our best interest to be able to
1: tolerate right. the occasionally disconnecting, Especially if we're collecting data. Yeah. Right? If we're, if we're inputting and entering data. yeah. Right. Just because, you know, or what's... Modifying. How
2: much does it suck to fill in a whole form and at the moment you hit submit, the <laughs> connection was banged up. Yeah. And yep. you've lost it. Right. And, and that's... Then,
1: That's a real benefit of a native app over uh, an HTML uh, web app that we haven't really talked about. No, there's an attitude here
2: of, well, there's it's sort of an exception case to be a disconnected app. I'm like, nah. You know what? Right. I've been disconnected in the most urban places in the biggest yep. buildings. You like, yep. maybe it is in our best interest to always build our software to be able to tolerate occasionally disconnected states. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Great but idea. you know, and here again, if you've got, if you're architecting things correctly, your you know your forms are talking to the view model. The view mm-hmm. model is talking to a service agent. Yeah. The service agent just checks, are we connected? Nope. Great. Let's call the service. If yeah. we're not, I'll cue this for now. Serialize it yeah. Hold on as, it. as XML, isolate the storage, and yeah. then reconnect next time, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: When the connection comes back around, we pick it up. We don't lose anything. Right.
0: It wouldn't be hard to do, is, as long as you're using you know good entity classes and everything, yeah. you yep. can serialize those and save them down. Uh-huh. Sure. Right? So, well, when, well, you can well, serialize them anyway. Do it any, all exactly. the time.
2: Always do it. Yeah. Like Disconnecting the submit button from the actual transmission project. Submit yep. says, stash right. this in the queue. Right. It'll go when it goes. Yeah, even it might be a millisecond
0: later. Yep, but and the, and the it goes queue when it could goes. be
1: isolated storage.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, or maybe a private message queue on that computer if, mm-hmm. if right. message queuing can be installed on that.
2: Yeah, right? sure. or, an, or in a phone or any of these things. I think anything. I'm, and I'm really speaking more to it's just, just an attitude. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let us not guarantee connectivity because we're lying to ourselves.
0: I mean, it would be not no isolated storage is kind of a you know a a good thing because that's pretty much available on all of the Microsoft platforms. So that's probably. What would be the most you know thing? But if we could have just even a you know quote unquote memory SQL server, mm-hmm.
1: we don't even need that. If we're entering data, data we could serialize it to a, a text file in a documents folder yeah. somewhere. I mean, it's it really true. doesn't take that
2: much. The decomposition is going to happen true. on the back end anyway. Yep. Yeah, right. let's just drop it as a glob somewhere. The right. only the only sin is losing that
0: guy's effort. Right. right.
2: Yeah. So as long as we keep right. the data
0: there, then is a case. For your background worker process, right? Mm. Yeah. There's one one task that can always just sit there and run it's in the out background there watching to see if the checks to push. did anything. Yeah, you there's know, mm. anything out mm. there? Great. I need to now. Can I connect? Great. I'll do it now. If not, next time I'm there, I'll do it. Yeah, just a kind of dispatcher. That's, that's right.
2: Watching
1: stuff yeah. that needs to go
0: out. Yeah. So that's not a bad architecture, and I like that. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. Uh, let's let's assume disconnected. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Assume yeah. disconnected. Yeah. Because yeah.
0: if you remember back to the days when we didn't have a lot of connectivity, oh, you yeah. know, I mean, that's yeah. what we had to do. Heck, yep. I remember having my programs on one floppy and my data on the other floppy, <laughs> right? Cuz we didn't even have hard drives back then, right? right? <laughs> yeah. Just dating myself there, but uh. yeah. booting on, yeah, you
2: had your boot disk, Once mm-hmm. you're booted, then you put your program disk in, and you had your data right. disk.
1: So I did this with uh, an app that Richard loves. I, I wrote this I it wrote this feature for him because he uh, he's the one who uploads our shows to uh, you know, to our back end uh, wave files, uploads the wave files that we record. And so I have this uploader, and it does resume, but it would barf, you know, and say, you know, I timed, I can't, have no connectivity. You press a button to resume, and, of course, it goes and it's happy. So you have to babysit it. So the next obvious step was to just put a timer in there, and uh, when I have a timeout, I wait five minutes Right. And then I try again, and if it works, great. I keep resuming, and if right. not, I just wait till the next time around. Yeah, it's but, not such a great big deal to no to do that. And it's one right. of the, but I realized I
2: mean, the reality is show files are big yeah right so typically you know we complete a show i dump it on my machine i write up all the comments and so forth i start the upload mm. i go to bed the the hotel connection bars. so i mean the yeah. chances of it actually <laughs> successfully uploading overnight almost zero almost zero <laughs> in the morning I, I i restart it go take my shower then it's time yeah. to get in the rv yeah i don't even think about it just close the laptop yep. go out to the laptop there's always connectivity in the laptop when i fire it back up it just picks up again keeps going mm-hmm.
1: right because every, every block of that file is a separate request right. or a separate put. So operation, essentially. It's
2: just as added, you know, I just think about the number of different, you know, then we stop for something and yep. I shut down again and like hmm. I don't even know when the file transfer finished and I, yeah. I can't tell you how many different connections it's gone through right. over the course of that transfer. Yeah.
0: It's just irrelevant. It's you pretty cool. What? I may just write that as a little sample and that'll be my next article. <laughs> <laughs> right? How to do that, really. Yeah. He's, yeah. How to talk from the screen to the view model through the service agent. Right. Mm-hmm. His job is to Store it down and then have a little background task that just sits there. When and you watches. can get it up, he can yep. get it up. And oh, okay, there we go. I'm gonna yeah. Yep. But it sounded yeah. like a Viagra commercial there. Nice.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but you know, the reverse is true too. Do not hang my foreground thread because you're trying to get stuff. Right. For oh me. yeah. Right. Are you listening, and, Outlook? Yeah. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> Sixty-five threads. None of them are for me. <laughs> What's wrong with this? But so I mean, it's it's another kind of dispatcher, right? Right. It's telling the dispatcher, hey. Go see if there's stuff. Right, I'm going to go about my business. Right, right, and then yeah. it, it, it's up it's up to it to actually go and get that and if it comes down or not. Like, yep. mm-hmm. I just think there's a there's a definite pattern there. Yep. To keep the apps are always responsive so and, let's, and to be tolerant to the I mean, variation. good. But unfortunately, we're
0: still limiting ourselves though to a Windows platform again, right. right? And we do have to live in the real world where there's still iPads and yeah. Android devices. Well, I want to think through
1: this architecture. So let's say that you're filling out a form in a Windows 8 app, and you're entering a new record. I don't know what it is; doesn't really matter. And you press the button to save it, and there's no connectivity. Um, What should it say? What should it tell you? Should it say, uh, we're offline right now. I've saved this as soon as we go back online. We'll put it up. You know, but Why? What kind of messages? Why would, well, Why should it? Because we're working with a set that's not current. That's all.
0: Well, it would depend on the application, though, I think, right? I suppose so. I mean, some apps, yes, you would need to know that. Others, you know, because I'm a big fan of if if you can fix something later without any user interaction, why even tell somebody anything?
1: Sure because uh, it's just well, one more thing they have to press or, unless they are assuming that something is live correct when it's not but you correct. know the average mortal now and i, I lay this at the
2: feet of facebook has been educated on this idea of latent update mm-hmm. you know you yeah. do your status update in facebook I guess so. and it doesn't show up for a few minutes your friends mm-hmm. don't actually see it
0: yeah and we yeah, make fun of right. people
2: who send their update multiple times because they didn't see it right away <laughs> yeah, right? that's <laughs> true so yeah I I just think it's an interesting angle. This there is a gestalt of people are more accepting of that asynchronicity than mm-hmm. they've ever been before. Right. Yep.
1: So I suppose what you're doing then let's say you have let's say you have a list of records and we want to add one to it. When we hit the button, we say it was added, but we don't refresh the list because we can't because there's no connectivity. But then when connectivity comes back, that will refresh. Yeah. and you'll see your record there.
0: Well, but I mean if you're at you, you still to tell have them, it, you still have it on the on the client side though, so there's no reason you can't show it.
1: Yeah, that's you know? true.
0: So, but uh. I see what you're saying. Yes, in some cases you might want to say that it has to be posted back up because the server does something to it so you can Yeah, I mean it's just you back, just have right? to
1: think through those things and make sure, sure you're uh-huh. not going to let I've your seen user do tweet deck where I submit a tweet via tweet deck.
2: It immediately shows up in my tweet stream. Yeah. And then sometime later, other tweets come in below mine because yeah. I'm mm-hmm. behind. And the timestamps yeah. still line up. So, you know. Right. Tweets. The tweet deck's clearly taking my tweet and immediately showing it in my timeline, even though they not, it's not have posted.
0: hit Twitter. And then once it hits it, it refreshes and, and shows sh- you now everything in the real order that right. happened.
2: And in the order that yeah. actually got done.
1: Yeah. So then you have issues like if you reply to your own tweet and the reply gets there before your actual first tweet <laughs> does. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, that gets back to... What are you doing? Replying you to doing? your own tweet. <laughs> you shouldn't be talking to yourself. Well, and I guess
1: mm-hmm. it shouldn't happen that way because if you're using a queue, it's yeah. the first in, first yeah. out. You'd hope so. And I a, get, lot, get get a lot, back of to this p- pattern, p- it yeah. should be behaving like that. Right. right
0: it should. And you know, because then, then you got to think about the app, right? And you know, yeah. trying to book an airline, right? You sure. know, <laughs> somebody else got my seat. I thought I had it. You Ugh. Know? Ugh. right. Yeah. Does that would those. ever happen? No, never. No.
2: Uh, I'm excited about this set of patterns, because they, they're very m- more focused on what matters to the user, yeah. right? these these are This is complexity that we hide from them. Correct. We don't lose their data. It'll get there eventually. You know, things yeah. are reliable, but it's, you know, whatever time we've got and, and however it's going to behave. Yeah. And hopefully we can make it, you know, the same way that async await has just made that trivial. Right. I really want that. Just to be I want to expect to be that I can survive disconnected. Right.
0: It's just gonna work. You know, we talk about all these things and patterns and async await and all these new things. We also have to realize there's still a lot of people out there doing VB six, still mm. doing are they really dot net two oh yeah. and three five and they can't well, because you know, big corporations can't always move as fast. No. We can move fast because we're smaller companies. You know, right. we can be but more VB6 agile.
1: VB6 is twelve
0: years old now, man.
1: they, they keep shipping that
2: runtime, every version in Windows. VB, it, is it is still in win eight. The, the VB6 runtime is in Win8. You
0: know, I mean, it, it's it's the Cobol of the day, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> it's Bigger than, it than that,
2: is. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. you
0: know, I mean, heck, you know, we're we're working with Kawasaki. They're right over here in Irvine. Oh yeah, and uh, they're still mostly mainframe based. Yeah. So we're writing a set of services in front of the mainframe. Nice, to you know, so that their dealers can talk in through a new .NET app. Right, but it's still updating and getting data back from the mainframe. So sure. isn't it
1: funny that you could actually deploy a link to an EXE file written in VB6 and it'd run in Windows Seven and Windows Eight? Mm-hmm, Yeah. That's something. That's something.
0: But see, there goes back to what I said before, right? Now you can start decomposing a little bit at a time. Sure. Mm-hmm. Still have some of your legacy stuff that you haven't had time to rewrite and get newer stuff in there, mm-hmm. you know, that comes up as a little app, but then can shell out and call the other mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. So it's nice that we have that option,
2: isn't yes, it? Yes, we do. Yeah. yeah. It is exciting that we have that choice. And at some point can actually say, hey, we get to retire this old V 6 mm-hmm. because all that stuff's now been carved off and it's done different ways."
0: Right. But we can carve it off little bits yeah. at a time, which no, management
2: likes too, And yeah, right? no dead drops. No one day it disappeared, yeah. right? It's that, you know, one day nobody was using it. Right. <laughs> it just wasn't in use anymore,
1: and we might as well free up the disk space. Yep. Mm. Yep. Well, Paul, thank you very much for joining us.
0: Oh, thanks, guys. I'm glad this worked out. We were right in the same neighborhood this time. So yeah. It was wonderful. It's thanks for having me on. to talk
1: to you and pick your brain, and I wish you continued success.
0: Hey, thank you, guys.
1: You too. All right, and we'll see you next time on The Tablet Show, folks.